0: Being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to demonstrate that affection. It means never having to play it cool about how much you like something. It's basically a license to proudly emote on a somewhat childish level rather than behave like a supposed adult. Being a geek is extremely liberating. Those were the words of Simon Pegg, I'm Luke Hector, and you're listening to the Broken Meeple Podcast. Episode 25, The Christmas Special. Today we're looking back on 2014 and deciding what to buy for your loved ones. After some board gaming news, I'll give my first impressions of Get Bit and the Monopoly Deal card game, followed by a discussion on what 2014 was like as a whole for me, and then ending with my top 10 Christmas stocking stuffers. Hello everyone, it's the 23rd of December 2014 and I'm recording the Christmas podcast. Yes, things have been left a little bit late this month. I just finished in my previous job and I'm going to start my new job in a bigger, larger accountancy firm as a tax manager in January, so I've got a little bit of time to start catching up with my blog and various other commitments. Certainly things are starting to take a little bit on the rise side for that, Uh, for starters the Broken Meeple itself is still continuing with the podcast and its reviews, particularly of recent games now, but my association with GamesQuest, the equivalent of our friendly local gaming store I suppose, even though technically it's a website, is starting to... Well, let's just say it's advancing into new territory. Uh, My reviews, as you may have noticed, for the site have been getting quite plentiful. You should have already seen examples like Imperial Settlers and Mythotopia go up. You should see Doodle City now, and you're going to see Hyperborea very soon. But on top of that, you will also see Seven Wonders Babble and Pandemic the Cure coming soon, and I have even more games from the store that I need to get reviewed, like Acrosphere, Fields of Arl, the Terror Mystica Fire and Ice expansion, the Eldritch Horror expansion, you know, the list goes on. It's hard enough trying to find time to play these games, so I'm going to make a little bit of a, shall we say, a, a call for help <laughs> right now. If you live in the Portsmouth area or near Hampshire and you want to meet up to just Play all sorts of games, it doesn't matter if you have played the game before, after all I haven't, that's the whole point of reviewing it, but if you want to meet up and play some games and just basically, you know, we'll get to know each other, have a drink and enjoy ourselves, you know, if you want to help out and let me test some of these games, act as a bit of a, a guinea pig for the latest releases, then get in touch with me at the Broken Meeple and I'll be happy to see if I can arrange some time to meet up with you and see how things go from there it's easier for me because obviously i don't have kids i just have a girlfriend and my work commitments but i know that for some of you it's a little bit harder when you've got to balance family as well and of course family comes first before anything else so without further ado let's get on with this christmas special now i'm a little bit of a humbug i suppose around christmas time i don't tend to get sucked into the spirit quite as much as some people but I know that a lot of you out there are very keen on it, so I'm at least going to devote most of this episode to not only looking back at 2014 as a whole, but also just giving you some hints and tips as to what you might be able to buy your loved ones in terms of filling up their stockings, because I still remember the times when I was seven, getting up, looking at the stocking and seeing how full it was. But I won't be doing a 2014 top ten just yet. Name reason being is that there are some games from 2014 I have, but haven't got around to playing. So you should see that at some point during the first month or two of 2015. Obviously I want to get as many games from 2014 played before I do the list, otherwise it's not really fair on you guys and the list might be a little bit biased. There will certainly be a list on the Games Cross website for top of 2014 soon, but that will be a current one. I will do a revised one on my own site late, earlier in 2015. So, let's get a move on. First up on gaming news, there are rumours going around that Dominion is coming to the iPad in early 2015. Now we've heard this many times before where people have tried to take up the role and then it's just been basically the equivalent of an April Fools joke. But at the moment it seems that Dominion is now in the hands of making fun. And there have been tweets going around essentially about them playing development builds on the iPad for Dominion. And that they're hoping it will ship in early 2015. Now is this a another hoax or is it actually legitimate? Well that remains to be seen. But I'd quite like Dominion to come to the iPad. I think it's a perfect game for the iPad. Providing they can get the interface to work smoothly. Although, I do worry that this will be a bit of a cash cow, because obviously you will pay money for the original app, and then you bet that all the expansions are going to be in-app purchases. So we'll just have to see how that one goes. Sentinels in the Multiverse has now arrived on Steam, so you can play it on your PCs. Um, i prefer to play this on the iPad really, or an Android tablet, but I guess if you're on a PC and you just happen to want to play Sentinels in the Multiverse, it's great to be able to play it on Steam as well, even though you've got to pay a fair bit of money for it compared to the iPad versions. However, that's being nitpicky, the game is fantastic, and I do love the iPad port. So if you want to play it on Steam and don't have a tablet, then I recommend picking it up. It's a classic game, and well worth your time. (laughs) And finally, the Apple Store has begun its Christmas shutdown. It shut yesterday and is now not going to make any new releases or price changes until the store reopens next Monday, December the 29th. No major biggie. I suppose if most people are buying their games, they've already done so. But just bear in mind that you've got a week where you won't be able to really do anything with the App Store. First impressions, and keeping with the stocking stuff for feel, I'm going to start off with a nice small game called Get Bit. Designed by Dave Chalker and published by Asmodee, this is a weird little game. It's basically a ve- equivalent of a filler party game in a sense, where each player takes control of a coloured robot, and there's even a little sort of detachable miniature of robots in the game, and there's a shark. And the idea is is that all the robots are in the ocean, swimming away from the shark that wants to eat them all up. Yes, you can imagine why it went with robots rather than people. I'm guessing that just didn't go well with ratings and maybe wasn't really approved by families. But instead, for some bizarre reason, you have little mechanical robots in the ocean being eaten by a shark. I didn't realise shark went for metal, but oh well, I guess sharks eat anything. I mean, look at Jaws. But... In this game, you have cards in your hand ranging from 1 to 7. Each player will play a card, and in numerical order, from 1 to 7, each robot will swim to the front of the line. You're basically all in this straight line, swimming away from the shark. I mean, forget the uh, issues or maybe the tactics of swimming away to the side. Now we're all swimming directly away. Now... What happens is that, in numerical order, as I say, the robot, starting with number 1 and going to 7, swims to the front. So, normally, it means that every time someone plays a 7, they're going to swim to the front last, therefore whoever gets the fastest start is going to get eaten by the shark. Not quite, because if you play a number that someone else has played, neither robot moves. So you are trying to guess what your opponents are playing, whilst also playing the right card from your hand, depending where you are in the little conga line. You only have one of each card, and you won't get them back until you've used them all up, so you have to be careful about which ones you play, depending on what the other players play. Whichever robot is left in front of the shark gets one of its limbs eaten off. (laughs) The miniature is this cool little... It it kind of reminds me of those um, punch-em-up boxing... Toys that you used to have as a kid with the two robots going against each other—it's a bit like that. You can detach their limbs and their arms and legs, and basically, once it gets to their torso and head, if they they just sink to the bottom and you're out of the game. But it's a really—it shouldn't work. I I looked at it thinking, what on earth is this? But after playing it, I have to say it is hilarious. It is with the right people in the right mood. This thing is a really cool little filler game. It's ludicrous. But it's really funny as you just watch people get mangled by this shark joking about how robots are getting eaten and how like people are swimming fast on each other and slapping each other or getting in- when they're like caught up playing the same number and that it's just one of those silly little filler games, but it's better than I expected it to be so you know thumbs up for it you can play this in easily 15 to 20 minutes with a full bout of five to six players with less players you can play it in even less so thumbs up if you're thinking of getting a weird little funny ludicrous game for christmas for even younger people because after all it's robots and not actual people then get bit it's worth a look now we're going to go to the other extreme monopoly deal the card game what is this I mean, Monopoly is not the best game ever anyway. I mean, nowadays we've got so sick and tired of Monopoly. We we accept that in the old days it was a half-decent game, and it was alright to play with the family, even though no one ever played it by the correct rules. Hello, trading, hello. But at least it was an okay game. And I could still sit down and play it now, even though there's obviously a ton better to play. But this card game, though, what is this? This is basically a fast-paced addictive card game as they call it, where your luck can change in the play of a card. Boy does your luck change! Essentially all you are doing is playing money cards in order to build up your bank and property cards to try and collect sets. Collect free full property sets of different colors and you win. There are wild cards which can be of any particular property. There are action cards which usually involve stealing money or properties from other players even though they're somewhat restricted. And there's the rent cards which basically allow you to collect rent as long as you played a rent collection card of the right colour and you happen to have them in your plateau. And then of course during the game you are drawing more cards, you are playing at least up to three cards on your hand face up as money, properties, etc. And then you discard if you have too much in your hand. You win as soon as you get three complete property sets of different colours. This game is horrible. Seriously, this game is just bad there is no tactics or strategy in this game whatsoever there just isn't you pick up the cards you play them you pick up more cards you play them there is no point in building up a huge bank of cash if you have no properties because all that happens is by the time it gets around to your turn it's all been nicked because all the action cards are extremely swingy in this game you could have the biggest like bank in the world and in two cards it's gone And somebody might just happen to pick up all the properties in their hand, therefore they can just get the sets nice and easily. Or you might just get hosed, because every time you draw from the deck, all you are doing is drawing action cards that don't work, or rent collection cards for sets you don't have. The game is just complete luck. You just sit there, drawing and playing cards, until someone wins. That is pretty much a full summary of the game. No strategy, no tactics, no meaningful choices, this is just... A rubbish card game. I'm sorry, I, that, that sounds really bad, you know, giving it a massively bad review, but I'm sorry, I cannot see why this game even has the ranking it has on Board Game Geek. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Monopoly Deal Card Game, published 2008, average rating 6.28, and board game rank 1429. How? I'm sorry, there are only 1,428 games better than Monopoly Deal the card game. No, I'm sorry, this game is rubbish, hate it, I'm not going to recommend this to anybody who wants to have this as a Christmas present in their stocking. To be honest, I would much rather just get a sack of coal. Oh, a quick look on 2014 as a whole. Well, I wasn't overly impressed with 2014. It wasn't a bad year by any means, but there have been some much better years for gaming. I think 2012 was pretty good, and obviously everybody remembers I think it was 2004 where a lot of really classic gateway games came out then. This year, I don't know, there were a few good hits and certainly some that have made it high on my top games of all time, but Overall, I felt this was a game of um, sorry, not a game, a year of hype, where loads of these games were coming out that were hyped up to the max. I mean, believe me, when these games were on the shelves, suddenly it's like everyone must own this game. But I found that when after playing them, some of them were good, and okay, one or two were brilliant. But I found that the really brilliant games weren't hyped up as much, maybe bar one. We'll see later on. But overall, there were a lot of games that were hyped up like crazy, and they either were pretty disappointing for me, or they were good, but, you know, not all that. You know, there were better games that I know of. Now, okay, that sounds pretty negative. The year was not that bad. But it just, I don't know, it just didn't really meet the target for me. But there are some gems, and there are some games that have made it into my collection, and they are good games. But I think this year was fairly average at best. I don't think it was... All that, I I just think maybe 2015 could improve on this, but saying that, it's getting difficult, I think, for designers to come up with new styles of games. We've gone through so many different iterations of games. How do you design something new? It's going to be tricky to come up with anything original, and I do like innovation and originality when it comes to certain games. But I don't know, 2015 is going to have to really step up the mark, I think, otherwise, we might see a decline in the industry. But maybe the new sensation with apps in board games might help on that front. Now I know people have been ranting against this sometimes and I had a little rant of my own against those people in my last episode, the sci-fi special, but I would really like to see apps come into their own with some board games this year. Uh, XCOM is going to be one of my board game my sorry my game quest reviews that I have to do at some point. So I look forward to seeing how the app works with XCOM and this is coming from someone who's never played the XCOM computer game. So, you know, this will be a completely unbiased review of XCOM, you know, not influenced by the computer game whatsoever, so I'm not going to get sucked up into the hype that oh, it's XCOM computer game is awesome, therefore this must be awesome. No, no, no. Judge the game on its own merits. Now, some gems did come out, like I said, One Night Ultimate Werewolf was particularly good. Marvel Dice Masters has taken off like a storm across mainly the America, but, you know, it's pretty popular down here as well. Five Tribes hit it off quite well from Gen Con, A Dead of Winter, despite my overall disappointment in the game, certainly has taken off like wildfire, and Imperial Settlers has done pretty well for Ignacity, but... I don't know, I just felt a little underwhelmed. I don't know whether I just feel whether it's the humbugness getting to me or something, but I just don't think 2014 really hit it out of the park for me. I think the last couple of years, particularly 2012. I'm gonna say 2012 was my favourite because some really cool games came out in that year, including some particularly hot favourites of mine, like Seasons, for example seasons was spring 2012 i believe and that is an awesome game original great components and just straight up fun but 2014 eh hit and miss i would probably have to say that that may i suppose the bigger games were better in 2014 i mean there are a couple of quite cool small games that came out in 2014, but I think it was more the bigger board games, especially the spectacle ones like Imperial Assault for instance, that essentially took everything by storm so, I don't know 2014, meh not overly fussed with it I'm hoping that 2015 is a bit more exciting but there's not many games that we know of coming out in 2015, so I guess we'll just have to wait for some new year news on that front Thank you. So now into the top 10 stocking stuffers. Now by stocking stuffers this is effectively an excuse to talk about small games so therefore I'm keeping the size of the box down to a minimum whenever possible. These are games that you should be able to pick up for relatively cheap if next to nothing and also put them in a Christmas stocking for your loved one if you like to use stockings anymore. Failing that, it will be one of those cool things that you slip into the bag of presents that they come downstairs and open and not exactly think much of it to begin with you know you look at the small presents and you might think it's just toiletries or cd or something but you know you would be surprised to see that some of these small games however small they are can pack a good amount of fun and be acceptable for the gamers and families alike so let's make a start with number 10. Number 10 is the game that I think really it kind of hit it off for me with board games a long time back in university. It was a year and a half ago now, yeah, a year and a half ago, wow, that I got into board games properly now, but I still played the odd board game back in university, and some card games and board games were better than others for me. But this one was the one that I latched onto pretty much instantly, which told me that board games had now evolved to something new, and that's Citadels. Now, Citadels used to come in a big box, so before you get on my case, Citadels has been re released in a nice small rectangular box by Fantasy Flight. So you can pick up this as a stocking stuffer game, and I guarantee you will get a good mileage out of it. Citadels is a role selection game where you are trying to build up a city as expensively as you can, but the turn order is dictated by these eight roles from wizard to king to architect, etc., that you pick and then They have special abilities and a specific turn sequence so the turn order keeps shifting around. Some can assassinate and steal from others so you're trying to bluff what character you might have picked and try and work out what your opponents have picked so that you can mess up their day. Really cool, really not not the biggest theme in the world but just mechanically a really cool little game and possibly I, I would say this counts as a gateway game to role selection. It's certainly not a difficult game to learn, I've taught it to non-gamers and they've picked it up really well. Just make sure you have some element of unpredictability, otherwise you are going to get caned by the assassin on a regular basis. My number 9 is a solo-only game by Freedom and Freeze, and that is Friday. Friday is this relatively cool solitaire game, and it, does, it is a solitaire game, you can only play it solo but it introduces you to certain deck building mechanics and it's almost a bit like a sort of mathy puzzle essentially you are friday and well yeah you are friday and you've washed up on a desert island and basically you need to survive as long as possible until the pirates arrive and then eventually defeat them but when you arrive on the island you are a bumbling oaf you're a complete idiot now, the idea is, is that you will you will have these mission cards, I suppose you could call them, or task cards, or quest cards, whichever you want to call them. But basically, they're like objectives that you can do. And the way you do that is that your deck is made up of various special ability cards and numbers where if you can get a high enough total to beat the rating of the mission card, you will defeat the mission card, and then it goes in your deck, and the reverse side of that card, because there's two different things on the same side, will act as a buff in your deck for future missions. So what you're trying to do is pick your battles to begin with. It starts off on easy and then goes to medium and hard before the pirates arrive. And during that time you are completing missions and getting those cards in your deck to beef it up. But you don't want to win every single battle because obviously your deck will get so padded you won't be able to draw the cards you want when the pirates come around. So you have to pick your battles. But you only have a certain amount of life for surviving the essentially the missions that you decide that you want to tank and also you can't dilly dally for too long because if you wait too long and the decks cycle through you have to draw from a deck of aging cards where they're basically constant negatives of varying levels but it basically represents you getting older as time goes on it's really cool little mechanics like this that I like in some of these games and Friday's just a really nice little introduction to deck building it's a cool puzzle, it's not easy you can tailor the difficulty, but this isn't an easy game. You've got to be careful what you're doing. And then the Pirates is this nice climatic, not I wouldn't say like massive epic battle, but essentially it's you've got a big pirate to beat, and obviously the cards that you have put in your deck are going to dictate how well you do against it, so you can see how well you played the game to begin with. It's pretty really cool, nice little solo game. Friday, give it a look. <laughs> Number 8 is a sci-fi deck builder that took the world by storm when it came out at Gen Con this year, and that's Star Realms. Star Realms is a very simple concept. Two of you are effectively space mercenaries or space corporations or something, and you have a standard deck of fighters and trade ships. And in the middle of the table, from four different factions, there will be other ships and worlds that you can buying or to put in your deck and the idea is, is that you drain the opponent's uh, life and resources while bettering yourself and it's just a really simple quick deck builder but it just works very smoothly, the artwork is fantastic and with expansions now out for it, it's liable to get some love in the future. This was a big surprise for me and it's again very small, very cheap, if you can get hold of it that is, it's very popular but certainly something you could shove in a christmas stocking and it will go down very well with two players even though you can expand it up to more players if you buy multiple decks but even just one deck on its own that's all you'll need great stocking stuffer Start realms number seven is a revamp of an old game called bang and that's bang the dice game that is Bang the Dice game is a quickened version of the original Bang game where you have a sheriff who has to protect himself from outlaws who want him dead. He has deputies to help him stay alive and sometimes there's a renegade in order to who basically has his own agenda. And in the old game it just took really long and it got really convoluted with the expansions and some rules were a bit clunky. It just didn't really work for me. But the Dice game, brilliant. It captures the feel that the original Bang had about hidden rolls and you know who are you gonna shoot, but replaces all those clunky cards with a simple King of Tokyo Yahtzee style mechanic with some really cool custom dice. The game is done and dusted really quickly for repeat plays. Really cool bang the dice game. If you at all liked bang for any reason, then grab this and you will find it a marked improvement. Number six is either titled Kakalakan Poker, or Cockroach Poker is the usual easier one to go for. And this is a really simple filler game which always causes hilarity whenever I play it, but it's not for some people who don't like to bluff. The, the, The game is pretty much bluffing full stop. You have a selection of vermin creature cards, which... You have to give one at a time to another player and tell them what it is. Whether this is a stink bug, this is a fly, this is a bat. And they have to decide whether you're telling the truth or lying. They can call you out either way, or they can look at the card and then pass it on to someone else and make their own claim about what the card is. The cool thing with this game though is that there is no winner. You play until somebody has four of the same type of creature in front of them, or they run out of cards in their hand, and they lose. So there is one loser, no winners. The winners are effectively the rest of the group. So this is a good way of sucking in people who hate the fact that they might get beat on on a regular basis because now you're only concerned with not being the loser rather than being so competitive you have to win. It's a really cool little bluffing game but I I do say that if you don't like bluffing games you're not going to like this one, it's not going to convert you but it's really simple, great with big groups and again it's a small little square box, easy for a stocking. So cackalackin' or cockroach poker. (music) Number 5 has come out in so many iterations, it's impossible to tell which one is the original these days, and that is Love Letter. AEG have basically milked this until it is bone dry inside. But it's a cool little filler game, comes in a little pouch which is a little annoying, I'd prefer to get the boxed version to be honest, because pouches are just weird. But it's really simple, draw a card, play a card. Have the highest ranking card at the end, or avoid being eliminated. The end, job done. Just really nice, really simple, exceedingly small, so you can easily take this wherever you go travelling or stick it in a stocking stuffer and it costs usually like less than eight quid to buy. I think you can pay, and that includes the boxed version. And you can pick up whatever iteration of love letters you want. I mean the love letter of Batman coming out soon, they've got original love letter, Japanese love letter, wedding love letter. It's it's getting ridiculous now. But if at least you'll find an iteration that you like if you go for this game. But I do recommend it. It's high on the rankings for a reason, it's just quick, simple, cheap. What more do you want for a stocking stuffer? My number four has to go down as one of the most innovative games I have ever seen. This, I believe, won the Spiel des Jahres in one year, and it's deservedly so. I mean, who could have come up with this idea that's so simple yet so ingenious? And that's Hanabi. Hanabi is a little small game where you work cooperatively to put together a fireworks display. The theme is kind of lost but the weird concept is that you play with your cards facing away from you so all the other players know what you have but you don't. And you have to give clues to each other player to basically hint to them what they've got in their hands so that they know which ones to play because you have to play the colours in a certain order. It's just a really cool concept and it works really well. Non-gamers can easily get into this and the cooperative nature means that those who don't like getting beat on will have no problem with this game because you're basically playing to beat your score from previous games. Really cool, really ingenious, not the most exciting game in the world and but certainly with the right group it's just works really well. So I wouldn't advise maybe I wouldn't advise playing it like continuously all the time. But certainly, it's going to go down well with any non-gamer group, so it's a perfect little gateway game for that reason alone. So number 4, Hanabi. Number 3 is probably the largest game on this list in terms of size, but not by a great deal, and certainly if you buy the yellow version it's still small enough to fit in a stocking, but it's probably getting to that borderline stage, and that's Innovation. Innovation is a really cool card game of tactical play where you are playing these technology cards that go from age 1 to age 10 with several different winning conditions and the idea is is that you're trying to better your position and weaken the opponents by crafty use of combos and use of the cards that you have in play. You can't strategize, it's impossible because you don't know what cards you're going to get. You have to be able to think fast with what cards you've got and use them to the best of their ability. Really cool tactical card game. It is divisive though, I warn you. Some people love it, others hate it. It is one of those games. It certainly doesn't have much in the way of the theme, but if you get the yellow version, the cards look gorgeous, and it has an expansion for it as well, so if you really like it, you can pick up that, even though storage becomes a bit more of an issue when you do. But I really like this game, and don't get to play it as often as I would like, mainly because of the divisiveness in in like what players like it but if you're lucky enough to have two people that latch onto this it works fantastically as a two-player game and I highly recommend it innovation now for my top two games I said that 2014 wasn't that great a year but some gems did come out and my next two games are both 2014 gems we're going to start off with a game that had a little controversy at first because of the really poor frankly just absolutely dreadful stocking system that the publishers had with regards to getting copies of it out to players. It just... It was a shambles, basically. They should have known that this was going to kick off like wildfire, and they should have produced more copies, because it was a nightmare trying to get hold of this game at first, although now things have improved with the second expansion. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. It's Marvel Dice Masters. Marvel Dice Masters is kind of like a spin-off to Quarriors, which is a dice game where you start off with a selection of basic sidekicks, or minions in the other one, and you... Roll the dice, and you will purchase dice that are specific to characters. In this case, we're talking characters from the Marvel Superhero Universe. So, instantly, you've got custom dice, you've got cheap collectability because you really do not need to collect every card in history, and if you buy a starter set and One of the booster boxes, which you can get fairly cheapish these days, you have more than enough cards and dice to do whatever combination you really want. You might miss the odd couple of cards, but then you can just trade with others. So you might even be able to get away with not buying a full booster box. Really, the collectability is cheap in this game. You know, you can't have an attack on this and then defend something like Magic the Gathering, for example, even though that's a cool game. But Marvel Dice Masters. Oh, it's a really cool two player game you get to have a team of your favourite superheroes roll lots of cool little dice and go head to head against an opponent, it just works really well and again this is one of those I wish I could get to the table more often but it's now starting to become a bit more of a craze in my local gaming groups, It certainly certain people have now taken it up so I hope to start playing it on a more regular basis, that's Marvel Dice Masters my number two, but something beat it, what could it be? And my number one, and we're hitting the party game category here, this game has never gone down badly every time I've played it. Even if it turns out to be a one-sided win for a particular side, it's always been funny and I've always found it a blast to play. It's easy to teach, maybe not quite a non-gamers game, but people after one game can easily tell what's going on and then all you've got to do is teach them what certain other characters do, which again, takes very little time because the app that comes with this game as read by Eric Summerer is one of the best companion apps I have seen for a game. If you haven't guessed it by now it's One Night Ultimate Werewolf. This is my ultimate stocking stuffer out of the group. Now Marvel Dice Masters is a cool game and it is really cool but One Night Ultimate Werewolf I never have a bad game with this. You pay very little to actually get the game. The app is free it's narrated brilliantly and it makes it so much easier to play because to go through the nighttime phase, characters have to do certain things like switch cards around, look at other people, so recognize who other players are, and the app takes you through it nice and simply. And then as soon as you've done that, which takes no more than, say, three to five minutes depending on the number of players, you then go crazy for five minutes negotiating as to what, where the werewolves are and who you're going to assassinate. It takes everything that is fantastic about werewolf but condenses it down to one night because that's the flaw with werewolf it takes a long time particularly with lots of players there's not many special roles and you can get eliminated which is a bit of a downer for those who get eliminated early here though one night five minutes discuss vote dead new game brilliant love it always have a blast with it it's been going down well i've even managed to convert two or three people at my local gaming group into buying it so now i keep hearing the app go over like regularly so ah oh, it's it's just really good. I can't say enough good about this game. It's one of my favourite games of all time. I reckon... I Did it make my top ten of all time? I think it did. I got a feeling it hit number ten. Or something in my top ten. And I reckon it could actually go higher. Because at this rate, especially with the new Daybreak expansion that I've got, which adds even more funny rolls, it's just going to get better and better. Maybe it might get a bit too convoluted eventually, so maybe I suggest leave it as it is now. Don't put any more rolls in. Apart from maybe the odd couple of bonus packs, I suppose, but you don't want to get it too big for its britches. So I'm warning you there, Busier Games, be careful. But it's phenomenal. Love it. Get it. Small, fits in a stocking, it's cheap, the app is free, works on Android and iPad, so you don't have to worry about that. And. With families or with gamers alike, it's just funny as you like. You will spend probably longer talking about how hilarious the game actually was after it's finished than you will actually playing it. It's that quick and that good. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, number one. That's my top 10 stocking stuffer games and that wraps it up for the Christmas episode. You will notice this episode is a bit quicker than others as most of my previous episodes have taken almost an hour if not more in order to get through them. Well that's because after discussion with various people and other podcasters it was decided that maybe the podcast was running a bit long. Not only that it's also not easy for me to edit this as a solo project whilst trying to balance my life and everything else. So certain things do have to be clipped down a bit. Now I still manage to get all the segments out. News, first impressions, discussion, and top 10. But you will notice that they were not, not rushed. I mean, I don't want to think I'm rushing these things, but just basically less waffle and condensed now more so that they can get going, get going, get going, get the content out without having to spend hours doing you know, various bits of speeches and that. Because after all, people want to listen to these things during their daily lives. Not many people listen to these podcasts as a, like, I'm just sitting here doing nothing but listening to the podcast. Most people will do this when they're doing chores, when they're playing, testing other games, or when they're in the car driving, that kind of thing, or even at the gym. So, naturally, you don't want these things to go on for too long. Hmm, I get a feeling I'm waffling now, aren't I? But, anyway, that wraps up for episode 25. The podcast will continue, and I look forward to joining the podcast for GamesQuest in 2015 when we get that up and running. We're hoping to have something done as a pilot episode before the end of January and we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm always interested in this hobby. I'm going to be enjoying working on the podcast and reviews for GamesQuest. I think it's a great partnership. There's some very high aspirations for this shall we say this conglomeration to reach high levels in the UK. So All in all, I'm pretty excited for 2015 in that regard. Hopefully the games will come out to match it as well. Now, top 10 of 2014, you will see in the early part of 2015, at some stage, I want to get more of these games played before I make a final decision on my top 10. Otherwise, it's not particularly fair on you guys. It won't be a complete list. So, from now, I'm going to get on with the rest of my day. I've got all sorts of... Uh, shall we say rather stressful things to get on with before christmas but that's what today is for and for now i'm gonna get on with that so i wish you a very merry christmas and a great new year and i will catch you in january 2015 goodbye for now to find out more about board games and the broken meeple in general you can visit one of the three main avenues we have online First up, there is the blog itself on www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can also find The Broken Meeple on Facebook. Please come and like the page and share your thoughts with me. And on Twitter, you can find me at The Broken Meeple.